You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So I just got back this week from uh, being gone for about 10 days, and you know, I always, I always tell people, after about day seven, I don't care where I am, I just want to go home. Um, even if it's a great time, and we did have an amazing time. So the trip was on Monday to Thursday. We actually spent um, those days in Portland, my, my wife and I, and uh, Tony and Heather Ramsdale and Justice and Martha Martin. We all went out to MFI, which is Ministers Fellowship International, a fellowship that we've been a part of since 1986. And the founding church of really around MFI was... City Bible, its new name is now called Mana House. Well, Mana House has created another kind of small group inside that larger network, and we're a part of that. It's called Mana House Global Family. I've been talking about that a little bit, and we actually spent a day with them and the leaders there, and really just an awesome time to fellowship, to dream together, to look to the future together, to believe for the kingdom to be advanced together. So we did that, and then uh, a friend of mine that I had just met really this year had been wanting me to come to Phoenix to see his kind of, uh, well, actually, he oversees 10 churches in the Phoenix area. They have a, a leadership school and a theological school, and he had been inviting me down, and I thought, well, I'm, half, I'm already most of the way there on the West Coast, and flying 3,000 miles isn't the funnest thing in the world to me, so we figured I would tag it on the end of the trip, but I'll tell you what, I was brain dead by the last day. Actually, the last day, it was supposed to end where Tony and I were going to go to a three-hour theological seminar, and I just was like, no. <laughs> I like Jesus, but man, I can't hear one more thing. My brain, it will not work. So we ended up skipping the end of our, our last time there, which the guy that is a friend of mine, he goes, I wouldn't go if I were you either. So, um, But we had an amazing time. We'll, I'll probably give some details over the next month, even at the partner party, just some of the stuff that is happening within our body and why we're connected to these groups and uh, what God's doing kind of in a larger picture. But also, uh, this coming Friday, we're holding a special service in Augensburg, New York. Yay. We've been talking about it for a lot of years. Yay. Uh, but it's going to happen now. And really, just the, the amount of things that are lining up uh, that Doors that God is opening and people that we're meeting, connecting to in that area. We have people that drive from there to here. We have people that drive from Governor to here. Uh, if you're in the room today, you're amazing. Uh, I know people watch online from there too, but you know that'll be a little closer for you maybe. But yeah, we're believing for a church to be established, a, a, another church body to be established. Obviously, there are churches there that have been plowing and and you know pastoring people and extending the kingdom. But really, this is this is how I do it. It's simple math to me. Jesus says this, when I am lifted up, I will draw all, I will draw everyone unto myself. And so when I look at a city or I look at a town, I think about everyone because that's who Jesus is thinking about. And when we look at Augensburg and we equate how many people probably belong to the body or a church within Augensburg and the people who don't, it just means to me there's more work to do. And so a new church, another church, someone actually commented on our thing because um, I posted on Facebook and then we're paying for advertisement just in that region. Someone posted a, a comment, oh, that's all we need, another church. 
And I said, thanks, me too, I, I agree. <laughs> and I was a little facetious, because <laughs> I don't think that's what he really meant. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, you do, you don't know it, but you do. You need another church. Um, because we need to represent Christ and who he is to the world around us, right? And so we're excited about that. We're renting the freight house. If you've never been there, and if you feel like you want to come and join us, we have, a, I think, quite a few people from the area that are going to be there. But if you want to join us, it's 6 p.m. at the freight house. It's a restaurant on Market Street, and they have really a large kind of, uh, it's really a neat space. It probably used to be kind of a warehouse space, but it's really nice, and there's a side entrance in the back of that, and uh, that's where we'll be meeting this Friday, the 22nd, at 6 p.m. So, if you know anybody in Augsburg, invite them, uh, and we would love to see you there. Awesome. So, kingdom. Continuing our series, Advancing the Kingdom. So, really, the last number of Sundays, so we kind of talked about what the kingdom was, where it was, and then we kind of spent three, four Sundays talking about kind of a theme in this way. What are the obstacles to seeing the kingdom actually advanced within us and around us. And some of the topics we've hit are forgiveness, uh, dependency on God, right? Poor in spirit, we talked about that. Sin, right? Sin keeps us from seeing the, the kingdom of God advanced within us and around us. And then I think Justin kind of spoke last week around mindset. And he talked about unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, right? And this idea of what's the mindset of a child that God is maybe asking us to continue with, having trust and faith and leaning in him, um, on him. So today I want to shift a little bit with talking about the kingdom, and I want to talk a little bit about what is it that really God is asking us to do when he says, go and declare the kingdom of heaven is near. Announce the kingdom of heaven is near, or the kingdom has come upon you. You see these moments in the Gospels in Jesus' life where this is what he says, the, you know, the kingdom has come near to you. So what is it actually that is taking place? What do we want to see actually happen when we see the kingdom of God advance? And so today I'm going to start back in the scripture that we've really been reading from a lot, Matthew 16, verse 18, and I'll remind you. So this is Jesus, he's with his disciples, he's with Peter, and he says this. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That was my first message on the kingdom. And I want to focus on this next verse now. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you, now I'm going to, I read out of the New Living a lot, which I'm reading here, but the verse that I actually really want to focus on is a little translated differently in the ESV. It says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so there's this kind of moment where Jesus is first introducing the church, which we talked about all summer long, he says, I'm going to build my church. And then he speaks directly to Peter, and he speaks to his disciples. And truthfully, as I said in that first message, he says, and, a, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Really, you can take Peter's name out there, and you can put yours in. Because we're part of him building the church. We see it in Paul's language, in Jesus' language. We're the living stones that make up the building of the church. We know it's not these four walls. It's not the sign out there. 
I've said all the time, Jesus is not coming back for a New Testament church of Messina. He's coming back for his people, his body. And we see this in this scripture, and we see that really we are the church, and now he's moving back into this kingdom language, and he says something that's extremely important here. Now, to us, again, it's a little vague. It's like the keys to the kingdom of heaven sounds nice, but what does that mean? It's like, you know, you ever seen someone, they get in a war, and they're like, we're going to give you the keys to the city. Like, there's not a door. It's just some key that does nothing. It's this idea, right? Now, what's interesting is in this, it's not, it's not as vague. Now, it is to us, but it's not as vague to them. Because really, if you were getting the keys to something in a kingdom, most likely it was the house of the king. If they were giving you the keys to access something, it was a really big deal. And really this language of binding and loosing, I know that sometimes we've, I've heard teaching on binding and loosing, and, and it, we're actually going to get into what does that mean in a minute. But I want to make sure that we understand the premise of the language that God's using here, Jesus is using. He's using authoritative language. He's actually trying to denote authority. And so he goes from this idea of you're the church, and I'm building my church with you, people, Peter, and everyone else involved, and now I'm going to give you, it's not just Peter here, but the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It denotes authority. It means I'm going to now pass something on to you that I have. You know, a few weeks back I mentioned this scripture out of Matthew 28 that we all know, the Great Commission. Some of us know it that way. And Jesus says, go into all the world, or I'm going to quote Matthew 16 or Mark 16 out of that one. Someone start the verse for me. I'm in a blank. Come on. What is it? Matthew 28, Great Commission. Somebody, where's your Sunday school coming out? I got to turn there. You, you, I just heard mumbling. It's coming, it's coming. I'm going to find it. Here we are. It starts this way. Verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we see this great commission moment. We see this kind of last words from Jesus, but he starts it with this idea of, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I'll tell you what, that's probably the biggest struggle for me. Because the truth is, when I look at the world, I go, where is it? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. If all authority has been given to you, why don't we see it on display all the time? And there's this struggle, there's this tension between this idea of knowing God has all authority, Jesus has, given all, has been given all authority, but not seeing it completely displayed. And then we get to this language where Jesus is kind of calling out his church, and now he's talking about the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about binding and loosing, and it's all this authority language. And to the disciples, they would understand, why is he talking in such an authoritative way? He's, he's giving us the keys to the kingdom. He's telling us that we now have the authority to bind and loose things. What does this language mean for us? But it's all based in authority. It's based in this idea that what Jesus had in this moment, he's now passing on to his disciples. 
He's now passing on what was given to him to the people that he taught, that he discipled. And really in continuation, he's passed it on to his church. And so in some way, we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now I wish it was as simple as turning a key in a lock. It doesn't seem to be that way to me. But what I do see is in this language where Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, and really, sometimes I think we can almost, it, it can almost sound a little weirdly hyper-spiritual. Like if I pray about something here, it's supposed to happen in heaven. I'll just say this. It's actually the opposite. You see, Jesus, when he's teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you see, Jesus, when he comes and says the kingdom is near, or the kingdom has come upon you, what he's doing is he's releasing the kingdom of heaven into the current world in which we live. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying that we're supposed to do. You know, we talked a lot about freedom today, already in worship. I think it's one of the main things we're supposed to do in the kingdom of heaven. We're supposed to loose. We're supposed to literally bring freedom to people who are captive, who are trapped, who don't know how to get out of the world in which they live or the life cycle in which they live or the mindset in which they live or the unforgiveness in which they live or the dependency in which they live. And we're supposed to bring something. And Jesus displayed this for his disciples and for us. Wherever he went, he was loosing the kingdom of heaven to be in that place. And at times, he was binding, guess what? The kingdom of hell. He was putting under captive the things that were not supposed to be free, but were free. And he was freeing the things that were captive that were called to be free. And so the kingdom of heaven, I think, is mostly about freedom. You see, actually... We can understand it in the siege mindset, right? We have this kind of militaristic history across the world, and we would understand that when, in a sense, a righteous kingdom is going in to free a people, there's a reason behind it. Because some people are probably captive without justice, right? There's things happening that are unjust and or unjust to people and there's, there's wrong things taking place. And so even, even wars that we've entered into ourselves at times have been just for unjust reasons. We're gonna now go and free people who should be free and we're gonna put people in prison who should be in prison. Same job we have with the kingdom of heaven. It's not people that we put in prison, but it is things Mindsets and ideas, wrong thinking, sin. But yet Jesus calls us now to take the keys. In a sense, it's like he's passing the baton on to us in this moment. He's passing it on to Peter and his disciples. He's saying, listen, you've just seen me walk about with the authority of the kingdom. And now I want you to go about your lives with the authority of the kingdom. And so whatever you loose and bind will be loose and bound. I want to go to one story just to kind of show you, and it's kind of, it's really a really, really weird story. That's why I picked it. Mark 5, 1 through 20. 
Some of you probably know this story, have heard of this story, and it's, it's about the Gadarene man. And the story is that Jesus, you know, he was teaching, um, really he was kind of doing the, uh, a bunch of sermons, and he was speaking to these crowds, and then he decided that we're going to go across the Sea of Galilee to another region called the Gadarene area. And so he goes across to this, to this other area, and he's met by a man that, you know, if you know the story, basically was possessed with a whole lot of demons. I know, that's creepy. But let's read the story, and I want to talk to you because this is, this is what we see happen. In this story, we see Christ, we see Jesus walking about and bringing the authority of the kingdom wherever he goes. And we're supposed to understand, even especially the disciples, it's why he spent three years with them. Because he wanted to show them, we have the authority to bring the kingdom. And then he passed on them. So this is one of the stories. So Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark 5, 1 through 20. So let's start verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This is just the beginning of a horror movie. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, hollowing and cutting himself with sharp stones. Yeah, this stuff happens. You see, I think, especially in modern Christianity, especially in the West, we just really want to ignore that there's an enemy. That, that though there, we might believe in the kingdom of heaven, we might believe in God's goodness and God and all those things, the truth is there's another kingdom, and it's not friendly. It says that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy and we even see stories in Scripture here over and over again where people are actually possessed or oppressed by demons or by this other world. And what we see is a man who is now being held captive probably against his will to whatever degree. He's being held captive by these spirits that are now within him. And it says he wanders day and night. Now, this part of the story, another part of the story, if this is recorded in other places. In the other recordings, it says he's naked, too. Imagine this. For real. Put your mind to work. I know it's a little gross. Imagine a man who's naked, hollowing, cutting himself with stones. I mean, walking amongst the cemetery. You know who we should go minister to? This guy. I'm not sure any of us would be thinking that. I'd be calling 911. Lock this guy up. Get rid of this guy. He's lost his mind. But yet what Jesus sees is an opportunity for freedom. In fact, what the man sees is an opportunity for freedom. Because somehow in there, this man decides to come running to Jesus. Even in the midst of, of whatever, however this thing looks, with these spirits are within him, this, this possession going on in his life, I don't 
fully understand all that, just so you know. But however that looks, this man comes running to him, and it starts this way. It says, when Jesus was still some distance away, verse 6, the man saw him and ran to meet him, and listen to this, and bowed low before him. Authority. This is the vision of what authority looked like in their world. When you would meet a king or when you would meet a lord, it was expected for you to be lower than them. Often, they wouldn't even come down on the same place that you were standing to make sure you weren't taller than them. And if they did, it was expected everyone to kneel, to bow their head, to get lower. It was a sign of authority. It was a sign of saying, we're submitted to you. We're under your dominion, king. And so this man comes, possessed, and bows before Jesus. And then it says, with a shriek, he screamed. I mean, really, this is just a horror movie. (laughs) I would really have just, I wish there was more picture of what the disciples were doing in the moment. Naked, possessed man running towards them with broken chains out of the cemetery. (laughs) With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. So we see this man come and bow low, but then this thing rises up within him and it shrieks, don't torture me. And actually calls him who is Jesus, son of the most high God. So the spirits inside this man recognized who Jesus was, recognized the authority in which he walked, and they come to him and and shriek and scream, don't torture me. So Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. The word Legion literally means thousands. Ever feel like you're attacked by thousands? Ever feel like you've got thousands of problems? This man had thousands of problems. I love this story because we kind of know the end where he comes to freedom. Listen, if freedom's possible for him, it's possible for you. It says, my name is Legion, for there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. The wording where it says some distant place, really, there's there's a whole alluding to the idea of hell. And some of the, it's some of the same wording that we see hell described later. Basically, this place where they're, they know they're going to be sent to. They're basically saying, don't send us there yet. You know the idea we talk about all the time where Jesus wins, we win at the end of this all? Everyone knows it. Even the opposite side. But have you ever heard the term misery loves company? So the enemy is just looking for some company. 
He knows what, he knows what his fate is. He's not confused about it even. But his last effort is to take as many as God's children with him as he can. And so we see this, this begging. They're begging Jesus, don't send us to this distant place. There happened, and then verse 11, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of 2,000 pigs, 2,000, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Again, still a horror movie going on here. Some guy lost his 2,000 pigs. You know, there's a, you're going to get me distracted because there's an interesting story to this. Sorry. There's an interesting story to this. This is Israel. They don't eat bacon. So the fact that there is someone herding 2,000 pigs means they have long forgotten the law and, what God had, and how God had called them to live. Now, we don't live under the law, and I love bacon. But in this story, for Jesus to even see going to a region that has 2,000 pigs literally is a den like denoting we no longer are trying to even live like the Jewish people are supposed to live. There's a whole backstory to the idea that those pigs are even there at all. So then they died. <laughs> if this was a movie, then you'd have that thing at the end, no real animals were hurt in the making of this movie. Unfortunately, that is not true about this story. It says, Then the herdsmen, who the pigs were theirs, fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid there's so much in this story because often we see God work in our life and instead of being amazed we become afraid and what we know about this this region and really what takes place and why the pigs are there to begin with is that these people were not overly interested in being freed I've met people just like that. People who, for some reason, life has just bound them so hard that even in their captivity, it's all they know and they don't want to be freed. And they reject even this gift of grace and freedom that Jesus has for them. These people became afraid. It said, then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Don't we do this? Don't we do this in so many ways? We see God bring freedom in our lives, but I'll tell you what, freedom can be messy. 2,000 dead pigs later, it's messy. 
Sometimes the freedom that God brings us isn't a simple, easy thing that takes place. It's sometimes difficult, and there's hard process, and there's things that take place in it that make us uncomfortable and even can cause fear. Because then when God gets that close in our life and we become vulnerable, isn't it so dangerous at that point? Because life has taught us not to trust. Life has taught us not to believe that there's this God who loves us so deeply and so desperately that he can do, he'll do anything in order to capture our love. Even send his son on a cross. And so we can't even hardly believe it. And even when we see God work, sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, thanks. Can you go now? Can you just leave us alone? I mean, that's a little too much for me, Jesus. And we become just like this gathering region that doesn't even know how to handle the freedom that Jesus brings. As Jesus was getting into the boat, so he listens, I'll tell you what. So often I hear people say, I don't know where God went. And I'll often ask, did you tell him to leave? Now, again, He's not really gone. He's just kind of waiting. But there's a place where God does listen to our desire in these things. He chases us down. He knocks on our door. He endlessly pursues. But at the end of the day, he will not violate your free will. And if our will is leave me alone, even if we don't say it with words, but we do it with actions over and over, I think eventually he leaves us a little bit alone. And he waits for another opportunity and he looks for another open door. But sometimes we have to evaluate our own actions and decisions and wonder, have we told Jesus to leave us alone? Because he might just get back in the boat. I feel like I've done that to him so many times. I've read this scripture so many times and literally have just, Jesus, if I told you to get in the boat, you can get back out now. I want you here. I want you in my life. I want you in this place, even if it makes me uncomfortable. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So the man who experiences this freedom wants to go with him. But Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towers of that region. It was basically ten cities, ten, ten towns of that region. And began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. You know, there's, there's just Christian history. It's actually Jewish history that goes on to talk about this man. It's not in the Bible, but we know through some uh, very, you know, real historians of the Jewish day that this man goes on to actually establish a large amount of churches. This man has one encounter with Jesus. We don't know if he ever runs into Jesus again. We don't know if he ever hangs out with the disciples again. But he has this one incredible freedom encounter with Christ. And look what God does with him. 
I loved, I loved the worship today. I don't care how far gone you think you've been. If you are not naked, chained up in a cemetery with a thousand demons, you have freedom available to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you feel oppresses you or keeps you captive. God has freedom for you. I don't care how long you've been addicted to those drugs. I don't care how long you've been addicted to certain things or leaned on certain things. God can bring freedom for those. Because when the authority of the kingdom of heaven shows up, I believe there's no choice but for the kingdom of hell to bow before him. I say all this so strongly, but I will absolutely say, I don't always see it. And we live in the midst of this tension. I started kind of speaking this at the beginning. We live in the midst of this tension. I absolutely believe that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, but what I really struggle to believe is that he's given it to us. It's why I'll often joke and say, Jesus said it was better for him to go, but I'm not sure it was a great plan. Because in my mind, yes, he has all authority in heaven, but I don't understand this this place where he passed the keys to the kingdom to us, where he's told us that everything we bind and loose on earth will be bound and loose in heaven. I don't see the equation of that always working out. And, And where I have to live as a Christian as someone who's following Jesus, is somewhere in the middle of just saying, I believe this truth even if it doesn't line up with what I see all the time. And I I know this, that I'm more likely to see the kingdom of heaven real and established and advancing if I believe the truth rather than just think it's not going to happen. I know what's going to happen if I live there. Nothing. Nothing. We'll just be a church that comes on Sunday morning, does our 35 to 40 minutes of worship and announcements and listens to someone preach and we'll go home, but nothing will change. And so even when it's hard to understand and hard to see past the realities of the world in which we live, we have to hold on to the truth that God has somehow passed us these keys. Now, this is kind of the picture I have. You ever have a big ring of keys? And you're trying to find the right one? And maybe it's dark and rainy or it's cold, so cold like we have in the North Country where your fingers don't work? I feel like that's kind of us with the keys of the kingdom. (laughs) We're trying to get it in there. And we're trying to turn it, but man, we're just, we can't do it. And we're fumbling with these keys over and over. And every once in a while, it's like the door cracks open and we see the kingdom come. And we're like, yay. And then something blows the door closed and the keys fall on the ground. And that's what I feel like, at least. Maybe you don't. But Jesus has given us these keys. He's given us an authority on this earth. And really, the authority isn't for us to just do something completely different. The binding and loosing isn't really whatever we want to do. It's a continuation of the things Jesus has already done. 
That's the mission of the church, to keep bringing the kingdom like Jesus began bringing. Matthew 10, 7, I think, gives us a, a good insight into what that's supposed to look like. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's sending them out, and he says this. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, and give as freely as you have received. And we see this quick glimpse of Jesus saying, this is what it means when the kingdom actually comes somewhere. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. I'm like, I'm not good at any of those. But yet, this is what God calls us. This is the authority he calls us to walk in. To bring freedom to people. I love this scripture. In Luke 4, Jesus proclaims this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? We, know, we maybe know a little bit of this story. Jesus comes to a synagogue. And if you don't know how synagogues work, they're on a reading program that they've literally been on for about five to 6,000 years. The synagogues still use the exact same reading. So every synagogue around the world today, actually yesterday, sorry, because they celebrate on Saturday, on Saturday read the exact same passage at the same time around the world. And Jesus comes to the synagogue on this day, and they, and they allow him to read the passage, which would have been a normal practice for a synagogue. They'd have someone come out of the crowd. They would read the scripture for that day. And it happens to be a scripture from Isaiah, but it is literally what Jesus came to say it. It lands on that day. It's this amazing moment, and it's, this is Jesus speaking, but he's reading from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is our call as the church advancing the kingdom. I believe God has anointed us, his church, to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is the same authority and anointing that he has given his church for the last 2,000 years. And this idea that whatever we bind and loose on earth will be bound and loose, I believe that we are supposed to be champions of freedom in people's lives. That with authority, we can come in and see God release. Hope for the hopeless. I love that song. That we're supposed to bring these things that God has for us, that the kingdom has for us. The fruits of the Spirit are supposed to be part of what we dispense as the kingdom of heaven. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, joy. I mean, man, imagine if we were a joy-filled people. That alone advances the kingdom of heaven. That if we walk in the authority that God has given us, that we can see the kingdom established, joy would be in our hearts everywhere we go. You know, this week I spent 
a little bit of time again in Augensburg, and I just left. I can't even tell you how I felt. Because of the doors and the things that God is doing, I just, Jesus, you are amazing. I can't even wrap my mind around what you're doing. And it's like a moment, I, I, you know, maybe I got the keys in the lock finally, and it opened up just a little bit. God's put the keys in your hand. The keys are in your hand that will advance the kingdom within you and around you. And we're supposed to walk people into the kingdom of heaven. I, I want to say we first have to experience those things for ourselves too. God wants you to find freedom so you can bring people into freedom. God wants you to find hope so you can lead others into hope. God wants for you to find whatever it is that he's wholeness in your life so that you can, find, you can help others find wholeness. Whatever it is that the kingdom has available, God wants us to understand that within us so that when we go out, we're just like that Gadarene man that somehow does in one moment of freedom changing this whole region that he's in. He didn't go off to theological seminary first. He probably had really bad theology, actually. He probably was just like, the Son of God freed me. That's, that's all he knew. And it was enough. Because that's what the kingdom of God is here to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Why don't we all stand this morning? So how do we bring the freedom of the kingdom to this world? I want to leave you with this, this thought. I'm going to kind of pick it up next week. We proclaim it. You know, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 1, where Paul talks about something called the foolishness of preaching. It doesn't make sense to the world. And, and I know preaching has this really just kind of spiritual idea to us. But actually when you read in Matthew 10, when Jesus says go and announce to them the kingdom, it's the exact same Greek word as preach. They just translated it different. There is something that happens when we speak the words of truth to the world. And that doesn't, okay, let me just be careful with that because sometimes we take truth and we put it only in the category of telling someone else they're wrong. But the truth that's more important is the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is that there's freedom available, which is that the kingdom of heaven is near, which is that your mindset can change which is hope for you and joy for you. That's the best truth we should be proclaiming. But when we actually speak the truth of the kingdom of heaven into the world around us, into ourselves, instead of believing the lies every time we look in the mirror about how terrible of a person we are, about horrible we are, about what we look like, instead of those kinds of things, imagine if we looked in the mirror and we just proclaimed the kingdom of goodness over us. Greg, you're, you're full of freedom. Greg, you're full of hope. Greg, you're full of joy. I'm telling you, I mean, I'm saying it right now, and I feel those things. 
Because something happens with words. I'm going to preach on this next week. I can't do my whole sermon now. The whole world's created with them. There's unbelievable authority and power that comes from the words of our mouth and the words of Jesus. And when we proclaim it, when we get over the idea of like saying, well, I can't say it because I don't see it. Well, if you don't see it, trust me, you're probably not going to say much at all. But somehow saying it causes it to be seen. I loved in the story of the Gadarene man. It says they were begging, don't torch me, for Jesus had already said, come out of this man. You see, Jesus speaks the authority and proclaims it into this man. We're called to proclaim it. Where is God calling you to exercise the authority of the kingdom in your life? I think the first place is within you. Look in the mirror this week and say things that feel like they're the opposite of what your truth is. Say good things about yourself, even if you're like, this is so stupid. No one will hear you. Turn the shower on. (laughs) Proclaim it into yourself, and I'm telling you, we will begin to see the kingdom established and advanced within us. And then when we begin to proclaim it, I'm telling you, I've just been saying it. I don't even feel like it's been true. Hey, we're going to plant a church in Augensburg. Been saying it for two years. Hey guys, we're gonna plant a church in Augsburg. Sometimes I feel like I'm just making stuff up. And they all believe me. But guess what's happening? We're planting a church in Augsburg. Because even if I can't fully see you, I'm gonna declare what I believe God wants to see happen. We're called to proclaim it together. Whoever you are, wherever you're at. Wherever your life is in this moment, God has freedom for you. The kingdom of heaven is available to you right here, right now, in this moment. And maybe you don't even know if you're a follower of Jesus. It's a simple step of saying, Jesus, I want to receive this gift you've given me. We know what he's done on the cross. We know he's paid for this gap between us and our Father to be closed. But simply, we have to unwrap the gift. If you were here for a sermon quite a while ago, you've got to put the wedding clothes on. And it's all you got to do. you just got to, you got to accept it. Simple words. Jesus, I receive this. Jesus, I want this. I want to follow you. I don't want to go my own way. Whatever words you want to say, it begins you on that journey. And then grab hold of this week, grab hold of right now this reality that the keys are in our hands to see the kingdom come. I'm going to pray right now. I want to pray for people who are maybe at the beginning of their journey with Jesus. But I want to pray for all of us who are in the midst of that journey. And I believe that this is going to be a moment where we start to see the kingdom truly advanced within us and around us. So, Father, we just come to you right now. Everyone in this room, everyone listening online, everyone that listens to this later. God, we come kind of with open arms, God, with open hands. And we just collectively agree again, Jesus, we need you. We need your grace. We need your gifts in our life. But Father, we also want to acknowledge not to just stop there with a gift of grace, of salvation for some time when we die, God, or spending eternity with you, God. We don't want to wait to then to see your goodness in our lives. God, we want to see your kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. God, we acknowledge even together to get today that you have given us these keys God, we also acknowledge, man, we fumble them. 
We drop them and we can't get them in the lock very easily. But God, we ask right now, come into our lives and show us how to turn that lock easier. Jesus, empower us to release your kingdom over our mindsets and over our life and over our family, God. Empower us to proclaim your goodness to the world around us so that we can see your kingdom advanced. God, we want to be used by you. Jesus, we want to be your church. We don't want to just go to church. We want to be your church. And so, Father, I ask right now that you would just bless every heart in this room, every heart along God, that you would bless every family in every moment, every difficult situation that's going on right now. God, I ask for a new set of eyes to be able to see it differently through your kingdom mindset. That this week there would be moments of freedom, God. There would be breakthroughs in people's lives. And God, that we would see your kingdom advanced. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Listen, if God's doing something in you, just tell someone today. Share what God's doing. uh, And we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.